Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Beyond Mindset podcast. I'm Paul Tucker, the head of growth and new markets in Orange, Australasia. And with me today, as always, is Simon Bryant, head of digital data and co-innovation at Orange. Hi, Simon. Hi, Paul. Good to be with you. I'm in a different location today. I'm out in the hills uh, uh, at my home. So if you all hear a rooster in the background, apologies for that, but that will add to the flavor of today's podcast. We're joined today by uh, Chris Crozier, who is a Vice President Australia and Asia Pacific for Orica. Chris, great to have you with us. Thank you very much, Simon and Paul, for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So, uh, Really great to have Chris on today, but for those that haven't joined us before, to the essence of the Beyond Mindset is really around leaders learning from leaders. We want to hear about the passions, the journey, and, and I guess what lights the fires of uh, some of the leaders across Australia and the rest of the world that we're interviewing. Um, Chris brings a huge amount of experience to the table, both working in Australia and around the world, um, and really excited for today's journey. Uh, and as always, uh, you can download the pod from Apple, uh, iTunes, Android, and also on Spotify. So uh, over to you, Simon, and let's go. Really looking forward to the chat today. I think, Chris, last time we saw each other would have been in Singapore quite a few years ago. So good That's to catch right. up again. Looking well, though. We're looking very well. You haven't aged at all. Uh, you're very kind. Liar, but very kind. <laughs> He's got, got his first, first post-lockdown haircut as well. You're looking very sick. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. It, you can tell we're in Melbourne that when those are the things that matter. <laughs> Chris, uh, it's great to have you. Um, so kind of fascinating role that you're in and fascinating business. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the role that you play for Orica, Orica um, as a business. Uh, and I know from previous conversations, you've been on a great transformation uh, journey as a business. I'd love to hear a little bit about that journey, please. Absolutely. Simon, uh, I have worked for the last nearly five years with Orica. I'm the Vice President Australia Pacific for Orica. And Australia Pacific is about two thirds of Orica's EBIT. So for those that don't know Orica, we are a 140-year-old company. We are the world's largest producer of explosives for civils. That is, uh, we don't do any military explosives. We are involved in mining, quarrying and construction. Uh, and ultimately, our customers are really after a uh, particle size distribution rather than an explosion. So explosives are just, just simply a means to an end. When I mention explosives uh, at a barbecue, people you know, typically think about Wiley Coyote running around with a stick of dynamite and a safety fuse. And, and look, frankly, we still manufacture that same technology. That's 140-year-old technology. And some of our customers still utilize that. Uh, it's, Where would you it's use a stick of dynamite, Chris? Where would you use that? What would you use a stick of dynamite for? So in underground mining, particularly where you're not, uh, you know, where it's a rather coarse blast and it's low cost, you'd be looking at using something like that. It would be more like a packaged explosive, but same sort of concept. Um, uh, so there are still applications where that, that technology is used. Absolutely. Yeah. But our, our tier one customers, the, the large mining houses, uh, are going through a massive uh, revolution in terms of what they're really after. And it comes back to that point that I made about uh, a particle size distribution. And so in the last five years, Orica has really transformed our entire business model. You know, we're no longer trying to, to sell inputs, that is ammonium nitrate detonators and boosters, which are the primary products you need for a blast. It's actually the particle size distribution that our customers need. And to do that, we've brought together a variety of technologies 
from the sensors on the drills. So we can now get geochemical and geophysical properties as the drills are, are, are getting ready to, to actually create the holes to then put the explosives down. We can marry that then to the chemistry of our explosives, to the timing of our explosives, and then measure the particle size distribution that we create. In fact, we've just recently won another innovation award for a product that's, that's trademarked as FragTrack, which is a stereoscopic technology to be able to measure the particle size distribution after the explosion. So we bring that together. Uh, we use uh, on edge, we use edge compute um, to be able to create the explosive requirements, et cetera, do the analytics. We also use cloud compute to be able to do some of the artificial intelligence, some of the algorithmic assessments. And so we can fine tune and really hone down to the customer requirements, whether it's a product that they need, the all that they require, or whether it's waste products. And explosives are 25 times more efficient at creating a particle size than, than crushing. So for customers who are having strong and stringent demands, we, we're all you know, in a world where we want to reduce our carbon footprint, where we need to be much more efficient and effective. These are the technologies that our customers are demanding uh, to help to support that drive. So that, that's part of the, the journey that Oric has been on. We've been transforming our customer solutions. We've also been transforming our own enterprise solutions as well. We've just gone live with 4S, uh, S for HANA, um, which is the one of the largest go lives for cloud-based uh, uh, SAP technology as well. So really getting into the entire entire digital landscape. And I love the way you phrased um, and started talking about that journey, Chris, because it was all about business value, um, the particle size. So can I have a real sense that the transformation and the leveraging of technology and emerging technology has been centered around the business value proposition. Has that been the way it's worked out for you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm in this role. So my prior role in Oracle was actually as the chief, chief digital officer um, involved in the development of some of the platforms that we're using now, the open ecosystem that we actually have um, to be able to bring together the digital technologies to drive for particle size distribution. And so I was requested to move into this role to help shift. We, we were at a pivot to pivot toward an outcome-based focus um, and therefore focusing on, on that customer requirement. So we are, we are going through a, a true, uh, you know, revolution for the organization uh, in the way that we engage our customers and, what, and, and being very, very focused on what their outcomes are. What's interesting there as well is that the, what you're delivering for your customers is a service. It's not the product. It's not the, it's not the how, it's the what they get out of it at the other side, which, which, which sounds like a, a conscious shift away from product and services associated with the explosive to the end out, outcome, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, you spoke absolutely. also about, um, Chris, you spoke about um, ecosystem. You used the word open ecosystem. That's a, a term we hear bandied around a lot uh, in, in the last, in kind of the, I suppose, the current season of, of uh, uh, where technology is at. What does that mean for you? Um, uh, open ecosystem, how has that contributed towards the transformation journey and, and the value that you're producing? So data is the, the key asset for, for the world at this point in time. You know, you look in the last 10 years, the market caps, the big market caps have transformed from those with oil and gas to, to those with data, the Googles, the Amazons and so on. Um, we, Orica has taken a position very early in our journey. We want to be basically the, the Switzerland of data. We're data neutral. We want to be able to ingest data from our customers 
and pass that data back to our customers or to other, other organizations along the value chain. And we recognize um, the ownership of data. In many instances, that is our customer data, but we respectfully require that data to be ingested into our models to allow us to then deliver a better service to our customers in the, in, you know, in the longer term. And our customers have absolutely warmed to that and they absolutely understand where we're coming from. And that's allowed us access to uh, data upstream in terms of the geochemistry, geophysics we've spoken about, but also downstream in terms of the efficiency of the ball mills and the crushing circuits so that we can really fine tune and hone the blasting that we're doing for them as part of that. So our, our data neutrality, our open ecosystems, uh, we are involved in public cloud. I'll be upfront. I'm a cloud evangelist. I signed my first deal with Amazon and also with uh, with Microsoft in 2012. Uh, and uh, for anyone that knows me, I am an absolute cloud advocate. So that that development of cloud, of an open architecture around that, of the uh, APIs associated with that, and then the uh, the intrinsic development of the edge compute coupled with it has for us changed everything uh, in the pit and it's really brought forward the, the services that we're now talking about. I was wondering about the uh, the Swiss reference there in terms of the Switzerland of data and I was thinking, is it chocolate, is it cowbells? But it's about neutrality, <laughs> it's uh, right? That's, That's right. Yeah, okay. Absolute data neutrality. And if you go back 12 years ago, many organizations were simply trying to capture data and retain it themselves. And that, that there is obviously intrinsic value in doing that, but from a customer's perspective, that's building up a lot of data silos and you're not getting the full end-to-end -end value chain effect that's available. So Auric has taken the position, we are the Switzerland of data, we're data neutral. So the other thread there, Chris, with the customer component is co-innovation with customers, is what I'm hearing as well. So that, that you're, you're not trying to own the data, but you're trying to maximize the use of data for their specific situation. So, is there anything you can talk to around how co-innovation works at, at Oracle? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we have just recently signed uh, another agreement with a particular customer where we have absolutely worked on what we call design for outcomes. So ultimately it's the combination of particle size and then dig rate for our customers, which have allowed us to be able to create and capture that value for them. Uh, and, and that's a very, it's a very good example. So we've worked with them and their drill, the drill company that they're utilizing to be able to develop uh, the connectivity that we require to develop then the, the, the ongoing elements and algorithms uh, that underpin that. Now, obviously we own the IP around the algorithms. Those algorithms relate to the blasting elements, but the outcomes are the customer outcomes. So it's been a tremendous relationship, um, uh, one of trust, uh, and it's allowed us to bring a credible position of technology. You know, you talk to a 140-year-old company that's been involved in explosives to then pivot to technology, but actually to do the things that many people talk about. You know, they talk about open architecture, open ecosystems, to be able to share data, to be able to generate uh, value around that, and to be able to demonstrate to that, that to customers. People have been talking that, about that in, in, in mining for 10 years. Oric is doing it, and we're doing it. We're punching about above our weight in doing that for, for the large mining houses. I think that's a really exciting component because for me, the, the real value of the future is, is co-innovation and collections of companies getting together. So whether that's customer, provider, any component um, bringing the idea to the table, but that willingness to be able to work together to solve the problem or to, or to challenge the status quo, which it sounds like Orica are, are really driving towards. 
Yeah, and, and there's a there's a second example for us. So autonomous um, mining is is the future. You know, mining in and of itself is intrinsically hazardous, and we do everything we possibly can to to reduce the the, the hazard level for the for, for humans. The the best way of doing that is to simply remove humans from those environments, and that's where autonomy is the nirvana for the mining uh, the mining houses. So we have autonomous trucks, we have uh, you know autonomous drills, autonomous rails out there. Um, but drilling and blasting, or at least the blasting component up till now, is very heavily based on human beings. We have people who drive the trucks with the explosives in, who then load it down the hole and so on. Uh, we've recently signed an agreement with, uh, with, with, with uh, Newcrest, uh, with their Cadia mine, and also with Epiroc to produce uh, effectively uh, autonomous underground elements for their mining, which leverages one of our other technologies, which is uh, wireless blasting. So we actually can can mine can drill in, from an autonomous sense and then load uh, the the blasting elements autonomously, removing people from the underground mining. So we're going through this is a this is a three-way partnership effectively between ourselves, our customer end, and EPROC to be able to develop that. It's a development journey. We we haven't reached everything yet. We do have the the wireless blasting and we do have um, the processes around autonomous and we're now simply rolling that out. So uh, again, it it, it takes a number of companies to develop those ecosystems and to cooperate to be able to get the best for our customer. Hmm. But thinking about, um, just listening to you, you're obviously kind of really uh, passionate about what it is that you have and kind of where the journey that you're on um, um, and acting as a, almost an evangelist of, of that which you bring. And, and generally, I, I think the, the opportunity and the potential of where we're at um, in technology and, and business at this point in time, um, I kind of, you know, there's a, I can't remember the philosopher that said this, but it sort of cometh the season, cometh the man. Um, what is there about your background? If you tell us a little bit about your background that's kind of prepared you and equipped you uh, to be the, uh, the passionate evangelist that you are today? <laughs> that's a really, really good question. So I've been involved in technology for 15 years, but I'm not a technologist. And I'll put my hand up from the very beginning. I'm, I have a chemical engineering background. I spent my first 10 years with Rio Tinto in a marketing um, environment. So I love selling. I love engaging with customers and looking to solve their problems. Uh, and that took me into to a management consulting uh, area. I spent 10 years in management consulting, always primarily to the mining houses. And then with BHP, I came in as the chief procurement officer with BHP. Uh, three years into that um, gig, I got a phone call from the CEO at the time to say I had a new role as chief information officer. And it was like, but uh, I don't have a background in that. And he's, his comment was, no, you have a background in commercial and you have a background in, in dealing with business problems. And that's really what we need. And I'll be honest, I think that's that's the, the key in terms of being able to take, see where, where the technology can actually meet and marry with business outcomes and then help to sell it to the business. I think that that's been the, the strength that I've brought. I, I don't have biases to one technology or another. I have no horse in the race, whether it's on-prem or cloud. I simply look at what's going to be the long-term benefit for, for the organization. And I'm happy to, to take some risks. And that's why we signed up with AWS and also with, uh, with Microsoft. We didn't place one bet. Um, and I think you've also got to do that with technologies, particularly with uh, you know, new technologies. It's always better to, to portfolio that risk. So. Um, I absolutely love being able to look at the new technologies coming over the horizon and seeing where they could fit into our ecosystem. We're just seeing those new technologies are becoming much more open, much more adaptable, 
The, the uh, barriers to entry and exit are lowering, which is really important if you want to try different things. Speed to delivery is, is increased tremendously. Uh, and so it's an excellent time to be in this whole digital landscape. And I think that the business context that you speak about is uh, in the roles that you've had leading up to where you are today. I think absolutely right is just almost the secret sauce uh, a little bit there. So I think as technologists, you know, we can so often be, uh, I've got a hammer, you know, where's my nail <laughs> and I can hit, right? Um, whereas you've obviously kind of turned it and been able to turn it around naturally and instinctively given the background that you had. Um, I'd love to, um, if you kind of reflect on, you know, on your, on your journey and the journey that Oric has uh, been on, you know, thinking about, uh, and, and you're obviously really well advanced in terms of digital transformation from what you've spoken of and what we know of Orica in, in the market. Um, kind of the lessons, the key steps in that journey, the lessons that you've learned, uh, the aha moments, the, the pivot points, um, and, and what other industries might, might take away from, from, from that which you've experienced. And I think that's a really good place to start, actually, is to, to, to scan the landscape for the other industries that are doing this well. And I think that's what Oric has done, is we've, we've reviewed other industries, the aerospace, uh, the, um, the, the, the vehicles, the motor vehicle industries, and so on, all of the IoT technologies that are being developed uh, that can be applied in, in the Orica environment. That's been a critical piece. We, when I first arrived five years ago, we had a series of different technologies that were being developed and one of the things that I brought in was basically the idea of the, the ecosystems, the elements that you could build out and re-architect so that they can bolt together and continue to, to re-platform in, in that manner. Uh, and that's become a fundamental driver for our digital journey is being able to have that set of seamless inter interconnectivity in our, in our ecosystem to be able to move that data from one to the next to the next and still have, from a customer's perspective, to see it as a cohesive end-to-end -end view. So I think that the, the, you know, scanning the horizon for the for organisations and industries that are be benchmark best practice, you know, getting ideas and 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 uh, associated learnings from what they're doing, and being prepared to take a to take a bet. Don't put all your money on on green or or black or red, but but bet across different technologies relative to your own requirements, uh, and then work on those that work best. You know, fast fail where it makes sense. Uh, and be prepared. Failure is just simply a step forward in learning, um, and that's the critical piece that we've also we've also brought in. Is we're we're quite happy to make sure that we can do things quickly. Sometimes we get it right, and where we don't, we learn from that and we build better as a result of that. So yeah, continuing to scan the horizon, learn from others, and be prepared to fast fail. I think is absolutely a critical part of the journey. Thank you. The um... Tax, I think let's let's transition now into our, our famous three questions. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So I'm interested in the business outcomes that you see that your role needs to influence in the next six to 18 months, Chris. I mean, you've talked about those elements of partnering and of building ecosystems with suppliers and customers, but, but what else do you think um, needs to be the focus for the next period for success for, for yourself and for Orica? So I think that um, because mining, we were so exposed to mining, our, our, the, the Orica outcomes is very heavily focused on ensuring that we support mining outcomes clearly. There is increased focus for our mining customers around um, the, the environment, around uh, you know, the uh, carbon neutrality and so on. So 
six to 12 months, six to 18 months, the next five years, we are increasing our focus on supporting our mining our customers' licenses to operate. And part of that is the, the, the innovation that we are going through in terms of delivery of solutions that they require. Uh, so in the past, people have talked about uh, design for outcome, particle size distribution. We now have that ability to be able to have a plan, do, check, act circle. So we estimate what the particle size is based on geochemistry and geophysics. We bring together the explosive blast requirements, the timing of the blast and so on. But then we measure the particle size through our product called FragTrack, and we can actually measure down to the incremental hole that we blasted with a product called AllTrack. So we have that ability to be able to then correlate what we produce versus what we, we were intending to produce. And by doing that and doing that against the customer requirement, we drive down the net carbon demand that they require to be able to produce. They can consume less water through their mills uh, and therefore and, uh, they, they start to reduce environmental impact and so on. So we can really have a positive uh, impact on our customers and on their social license uh, through this. Other areas in terms of vibration and dust and so on are also critical factors that our customers need to consider. So for us, the, the next five plus years, we'll continue to focus on, focus on delivery of innovation to help our, our customers meet their environmental uh, and social requirements. Just uh, listening to you speak ahead like that, uh, Chris, and, and, and kind of talking about shaping uh, an industry uh, in the future, um, kind of made me think about we kind of sort of all collectively had this huge pause uh, with with COVID. Um, how has that how has that affected your view of the future as as you speak here in this way? Um, and has it affected influence? What does it look like? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think COVID has had a really dramatic impact on a number of areas for for us, but also for for humankind. I think people are much more, have used the time to be considerate of the things which are impacting us in the future. So this whole, whole view around uh, environmental factors, uh, it's really becoming the here and now. The other area that we're seeing a, a lot of focus uh, are around heritage areas. Uh, again, you know, we, we work with organisations that are, are working in areas that have had um, humankind living there for many, many thousands of years. And we need to be cognizant of that. Uh, as well. So we're seeing a heightened view from the general population around the impacts that mining are having in that social, the social license um, associated with them. Uh, as a result, I think of having more time through COVID to be considered these things. We've also um, become far more aware of the stickiness of human capital, that mining requires fly in, fly out, and COVID type environments stop that and therefore create a threat to, that, uh, to, to the mining outcomes. So we're seeing that acceleration uh, around automation. That's really kicking in the, the desire to move people out of that, that environment from a safety perspective, but also from a business, business continuity perspective. We've, we've seen a rapid adoption of augmented reality technology. So where we do have people on site, we have effectively stopped the movement of people backwards and forwards from a subject matter expert perspective, and we are using augmented reality across the board, across all of our organisation, we have over 200 instances of augmented reality headsets um, around the globe uh, for, for all of our operations. So really adopting and, and running forward with that. And then the final point comes back to this point around um, the, the, the renewables, the push for a lower carbon footprint. 
we're seeing a much higher demand for the coppers of the world, the copper requirements and so on. Those, those elements that are associated with the renewables, the, the, the electrification uh, associated with those renewables, which is also impacting the things that we focus on, copper, nickel, et cetera, um, in, in that value chain. Um, there's a lot to unpick there in terms of the, the way you're going to market and, and the opportunity over the next three to five years. Um, but what I'm also interested in is the leading lights that you see in business and who are the people that inspire you both within um, the world you're operating in, but also through uh, the other areas that you've got, you know, business interests and fascinations in. Um, who are the people that you, you know, you see an article or a podcast from and you, and you jump to, to listen to it because you know you'll learn something from them? So if I, if I break that into our industry and then that's one other area. So within our industry, obviously, you know, having worked for both Rio and BHP and, uh, and watch what's happened with both those organisations, I, I just have to take my hat off. They really are leaders in this space. Um, you know, we talked about IT in the past and then OT and now the convergence and IoT, the Internet of Things. Both those organisations have absolutely embraced that and, uh, and it's been absolutely transformative in, in their value chain. But also other organisations that we work with, Roy Hill, Newcrest, Glencore, are equally grabbing this, this and running with it. And we, we are very much part of their ecosystem and very supportive of it. Um, and it's so pleasing to see the way that they are absolutely embracing the technology. At a personal level, I'm always blown away by, by companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google. Those three firms and what they've been able to do, you, you, you know, you look at Microsoft, you go back 10 years ago when I was a CIO at BHP, you'd mention Microsoft, you'd think Office, 3, Office, Office products and Windows, uh, you know, that's, that's what Microsoft was and they did that very well. Uh, and now you think of Microsoft and you don't think of that. You think of Office 365, et cetera. It's been such a transformation from selling software to, to, to the service type approach that they now have. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Amazon, AWS, again, that business model is absolutely a revolutionary, what they've been able to do. And obviously market capitalization for that company is phenomenal. And then Google, they know more about me than anybody else in this world. It's quite scary, I'm sure, what exactly they do know about me. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, I openly use their, their services knowing full well that they're tracking and trying to figuring, figure out how they can sell to me better and advertise, et cetera, which is fair game to them. So those three firms, I, I get great pleasure in meeting with people who work for those firms, have done um, over the last 10 years. And I'm only, uh, every time I meet with them, they blow me away with what they're working on. And I'm always thinking about what can I leverage from them and bring back into my own ecosystem? That's a, that's a great answer. Chris, I do remember um, from our time working previously um, that you're a big reader. Um, so uh, I'm going to throw one in at the last minute because I, I meant to ask you this when we caught up the other week. Um, is there a book that is uh, something that's blown you away in the last uh, period of time um, that, that you would just go to? It's, it's a bit left field, I know, but I, I do recall having conversations with you about that before. Oh, yeah, I, I have a, a fairly eclectic uh, reading profile. I'm, I'm reading Homo Deus. I don't know if you've read Homo sapiens. The, uh, it's basically a, a view of, of humankind and how we've, we've evolved to, to be the species that we are at. 
Um, and the next book that's reading is talking about what the future potential of humankind actually is. Um, so yeah, I, I, I prefer to focus on fact over fiction, on history. Uh, I think history is a great predictor of the future. Okay. Uh, and that's, yeah, so these, these two books by the same author, I, I'm getting, I, I get a great kick out of, so yeah. Very good. Thanks for handling that uh, ad hoc question there, but it was one of those that sparked me from our time in Singapore. We had some good no, conversations about, about what we were reading at the time. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think that's a great um, kind of way to close out um, this great time together and, and kind of picking up on a reflection that you had uh, a short while back, um, Chris, you know, thinking about um, the, you know, the history predicts our future. Uh, our COVID history, how that will predict the future. Well, one of the insights for me that's come out of this conversation has just been the, the idea that we've had to pause. We've, we've gotten off um, the wheel, so to speak. We, we're out of the maze uh, and it's, it's causing us and it's caused us collectively as enterprises and individuals to kind of say, well, what's this all about? What are we all about? Uh, and, and a kind of a return to values, to heritage, um, to the things that are perhaps foundationally and fundamentally important. Do you have any other, uh, and again, another kind of segue question, any other thoughts about um, this phase of our history and what that might mean for our future, this COVID phase? Things that I you might mull about cliche. over a glass of wine? <laughs> <laughs> I think our concept of work's changed wholesale, you know, and, and I'll put my hand up. I've worked 35 years in mining. And if you'd asked me up to a year ago, uh, would it be possible to work effectively from home or out of the office? Uh, I would have said absolutely not. You know, I want to see you. I want to see you in the office. I want to know, uh, you know, be able to talk and engage. And what we've seen since COVID's come along is this seamless ability to work effectively um, in, a, in, a, in a manner, in a virtual environment without loss of productivity. In fact, quite the opposite. What we've got to watch for is actually making sure people, people are actually getting some work-life balance the technology is so present that if we're not careful, it is just work. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that we, we, are, we have now entered a phase where the concept of coming into an office mm -hmm. is not going to be the way that, the, that humankind is going to work in the future. It will be much more uh, a virtual type environment. And you'll come in for that social engagement. You'll come in for, for specific elements and areas. But on average, you'll enjoy the time in, in the other areas. And you'll save that two hours a day in commute and be able to use that much more effectively. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, and one of our other guests, uh, Heinrich, has kind of spoken of the the um, the boundaries uh, in that that kind of virtual world is you know, where boundaries were much easier to manage when you're kind of going in and out of an office space. Now you've you've got to be kind of creating more um, different ways of of the bound defining the boundaries between yourself and technology. Chris, this has been a great conversation. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've uh, really enjoyed about this conversation, a lot of us in a lot of businesses talk about digital transformation. There are a few that are leaders in the space. Uh, you and Orica are clearly a leader and you're talking from a position of authority and experience. Um, so that, that's just been great to hear uh, and to share this time with you. So appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Chris, and um, really great to catch up again. It's been a, been a little while, but great to, to see you and look forward to catching up in person soon. But I just wanted to thank all our listeners uh, and hope you got some uh, really powerful leadership lessons from today's discussion. 
Um, as I mentioned at the front, uh, you can download now this episode from uh, Spotify, from Apple and from Google. Uh, and we look forward to your feedback and hearing um, from upcoming guests over the coming weeks. So thanks very much. Thanks again, Simon, and uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks, thanks everyone. everyone. Thank Thank you. Bye. Cheers.